conversation. I'm so excited to share this episode with everyone because Raha took us on a journey of what it means to find your inner child and how that can help everyone connect with themselves more. Yeah, it was really fun to think back to those early memories and how we've tried to keep and cultivate that inner child in us even today. Thank you, Raha. Anytime. It's a joy for me to do this with y'all. And for everyone who's listening, you can look forward to a quick exploration of who our inner child is and how we can really bring that inner child to the present in a nurturing way through certain tools that we'll share with you, whether it's affirmations, whether it's journaling. And finally, thinking about ways to extend this inner child to others and the way we interact with others. Let's start this journey. Hi. Okay, let's do it. Let's do it. Hi, and welcome to the third episode of Seen and Heard, conversations about how to live an authentic, fulfilling, and joyful life. I'm Raha, and I'm here with my friends Smitha and Willa. Hey, Raha. Hey, hey. Hey, ladies. In this episode in particular, we're really going to dive into ways to connect with yourself through leaning into your inner child. We're going to explore what it means to learn about our inner child and just bring them into our present in a really kind and fulfilling way. So excited about this. (sighs) Yes, I've been waiting for this one. I'm with you guys. It's such an exciting thing to lean into our inner child. A lot of us tend to have that reaction because often when we think about the child version of ourselves, when we think about us as children, there's so much beauty in it that a lot of us remember. And I think we should start with that. I'll throw it to you guys. What are instances that y'all can remember of coming alive as a child? I love this question because I've actually done a good amount of reflection and journaling to think about myself when I was a kid. And some of these experiences that I've had that I think have kept with me and have just been major parts of who I've become and my personality. So I'll share two quick things. So the first is I was always a pretty mischievous kid, getting into pretty innocent trouble, getting into my mom's makeup bag, putting kajal, which you know, Raha is like eyeliner, but in our South Asian culture, basically the type of eyeliner that's pretty hard to get off. I thought it was a lipstick when I went into my mom's (laughs) makeup counter. So I had it all over my face. It's a great photo. And it's just like some of those moments when you're getting into trouble. But then also I was in some ways encouraged and nurtured where I wasn't yelled at for Mm. things like that. Mm. They took a picture. I I would basically always have this sense of discovery, adventure, exploration. There was a great story in us. I was in Canada, Raha, where we wanted to really see this church, but it was closed. And so there was just this this tiny little gap in a window. And I was like, I can fit in that. I was about (laughs) six. And my dad was like, you can. And so I love it. Stuck me in the window I in this like very it. beautiful Gothic church in Montreal. It was amazing. Like I, I opened the church from the other side and my full family of four go in and explore the church and then we leave. It's just such a ridiculous experience. Totally. And so it's just a really, those kind of moments, I've had this sense of curiosity and adventure. I do like even Will and I right now are in LA And we're in this Airbnb. When I came in, 
opening all the doors. They're like, what are you doing? And I was like, well, I just want to know what's on the other side. Oh, so I, I think it's it. just still in me. She inspired me because then I was like, I need to open all the doors too. Oh. You being the leader of an expedition for your family, I'm just visualizing that right now. And that is the cutest thing ever. But I, I really love that, Smitha, because also because of the emphasis you place on your parents as encouraging that. Because there's just something so beautiful about being allowed to let your inner light go forward. So here's the funny story for you. My dad keeps telling me about this. I grew up in Dubai and I would go to school and I'd be wearing a, a uniform. Mm-hmm. And I'd, I'd come home every day with my sheets for the day rolled up in my hand or crumpled. And every day that I came home, I had this almost ritual where I would just tell someone to hold my sheets. And then I would just put on a performance. Like sometimes (laughs) I would do this cool little dance. Or sometimes I was learning Arabic at the time, which I forgot all of. Really regret that. But I would start singing these songs that my parents didn't speak Arabic. So they would like, they would think it was Arabic. And then they would ask me to repeat myself. And it'd be completely different each time. I was just making (laughs) things. And I I learned just an entertainer. Oh, girl, yes. Weren't we all? We were like explorers, entertainers. Yeah, I was an entertainer. And I still find that is a thread I so strongly carry with me. That comfort with our body or that curiosity to explore it mm-hmm. without having anyone say, that's not you. As we sometimes have people saying to us as adults, or more problematically, our internal voice saying to us. And I think what Smitha said was really interesting. The focus you placed on your parents as allowing you to nurture that light because one part of us our inner child is that explorer and that person who just had these ideas of what brought them alive and I can think of though moments where people sometimes shut us down when we were trying to explore that and I had very nurturing family who, like Smith, I said, would just be like, try this, try that. But I can also remember talking to friends who would tell me, and these are moments that I can relate to, of moments where they were told no that really stuck with them or were told you're not good enough. Yeah, definitely. For me, it was a lot about just being other and being different and not enjoying that at all when I was Mm. a kid in particular moments. Mm. And so I grew up in Arizona and at least in the schools that I, I was in, it wasn't particularly diverse. And I would say there were things like coming to school with perhaps food that was different, where you would get bullied or you would feel like you're other. And it just made me, going back to that framework we had last time about, is America a melting pot? Is it a tossed salad? Mm. For me, I was so desperate to be a melting pot, yeah. pushing down what makes me different. But then there's also some things you just can't push down, right? You can't necessarily change the way you look, uh, how small you are, the color of your skin. There's just some things you can. And it's tough to come to terms with that. Yeah, I always thought of myself as a pretty resilient kid. But there are also Mm -hmm. those moments of othering and of being like, oh, like this doesn't really match the idea of me that I had for myself. And why, like the world is telling me no. It's funny you mentioned the color of your skin. I I grew up in Canada after I moved to Toronto from Dubai. I was six years old. So these memories of Dubai, I was quite young. And in my earlier years in Canada, I was maybe like nine or so. And my time growing up in Toronto formulated a lot of my early childhood memories too. And for the most part, I remember... Oh, it being like a very diverse place. I also do. I remember these moments where 
you know, I was walking with a classmate and she rubbed, she had two Barbie dolls and she rubbed one in the mud and was like, that one's you. And I was like, that's not me. I don't do that to any of my Barbie dolls, but I I guess it's not the same color. It's sad to think about. Does any of this resonate with you? My experience is certainly different. I grew up in Seattle and there's a very large Asian American population in Seattle. Mm. And I felt that there were many positives about that. Like when I was in sixth grade, one of my very good friends from elementary school told me I was going to Harvard. That's also a lot of pressure. Yeah, (laughs) totally. And there's so much encouragement Mm. that comes from how Asians were viewed in my Mm. school at that time. And I think the flip side of that is grades became very important Mm. to my Mm -hmm. identity. Yeah. Not publicly. It's not like I went around being like, ah, grades. But if I didn't get an A on a test, I would feel like it was the end of the world. And that, looking back, I found was really unhealthy pressure. Yeah. Yeah, that resonates a lot. The school, on on, on just how important grades are. Because at the end of the day, there is so much more to life than any one thing. Mm-hmm. Um, and yes. what we choose to be important to us and be a big part of identity, actually, that's what we bring to life. So yeah. I definitely feel totally. that. And then one time we went to a more rural part of Washington. And I remember we drove by a car wash. And this young child was like, do you want a car wash? And the older teenager looked at us and was like, oh, they don't understand English. Like the association mm. of rural Washington with that mm. Asian people didn't speak mm. English. And I kind mm. of just looked at them and I didn't react because I had never experienced it before. But I was like, that's really weird. Yeah. Why would they think that I don't speak English? Like I was born in Iowa. Right. Yeah. And English is what oh, I was, wow. this is okay. your country. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. And so like I definitely have felt moments like that. And I have certainly felt people trying to take advantage of the fact that I was back then a quieter kid that wasn't going to push back. I remember there was this one kid in high school, and he was bullied all the time. And then he would try to bully me. Those were all novel experiences, like the first time I experienced something. And it took me a while to process. That's not cool. Let's respond to that. So I certainly felt moments of otherness, but in different ways because of where I grew up and and how I grew up. Yeah. Yeah. I have so many reactions to that, Willa. Oh, like kids can hurt others and kids are hurting too. There's just so much going on here and and what makes us hurt each other. And the other thing that really resonates with me, Willa, is when you talk about grades, that idea of having something pinned to you and saying, you're good if you do this, or this is what your existence is conditional on. Because if you contrast that with like the idea of what Smitha mentioned about, oh, here's a window, let me just hop in it and everyone, <laughs> let's go and see what she has to explore. Mm-hmm. It's like that difference. And I feel like that's what I often ran into as I moved from being a child to becoming an adult, or even in those mm-hmm. moments, those negative moments that I carry from being a child of moving from oh, I'm just exploring the world. I'm excited. There's endless potential for what I am doing as opposed to this person that I am versus the feelings of, okay, I'm being rewarded for this or I'm being told that this is what my identity is, whether I'm being othered or being made to feel small for my grades or even big for my grades. And I I just think that there's an element of conditionality there that gets 
placed on us. I mean, everything Willow was saying around the grades being the pressure of model minority resonates a ton. But there's also when that pressure is added or when you do face bullying, which I have faced in my life, how do you escape? What are your channels? For me, there's a couple ways I've been able to get out of my world to other worlds. And that's a very cool way to think about inner child as well. Like, for example, Mm. thinking about imagination, my older sister, Mm. she's about five and a half years older. She basically had the most bold, big imagination. And she was able to take us wherever we were, tiny room, backyard, anywhere, to another world completely, right? Like fantasy, another world. We were different characters. It's just amazing. We had so much of that in the way that we played together. And so I think imagination is one way. I think another is through travel. Willa, you mentioned this by the way you were able to see other parts of America, but even the world being an immigrant, having grandparents in India, I went every so often, probably every other year. And we also got to travel on the way there, we would stop somewhere and on the way back, we would stop somewhere. So it was just a lot of good moments of travel. And I think for me, that was just another way to perhaps escape the microcosm of my world and just realize like, I'm in a bigger system. And yeah, just thinking about that as another way to explore and get out of yourself. Which of you were bookworms growing up? I was buried <laughs> oh in books. Gosh, <laughs> let me tell you, shout out to my childhood best friend, Tessa. Every <laughs> summer, we literally walked or bus to Barnes and Noble, read every book, and then we would quiz each other on Harry Potter <laughs> details. 100% we were bookworms and we were social bookworms. There is one thing that I thought of that I would bring up. There is pressure from within the Asian American community as well. That's so complex. Yeah. How that dynamic. It's so complex. Yeah. It's so complex. And also, I feel like that's even a conversation unto itself if we go into what it means for all three of us to have, as children, navigated multiple identities and navigated the pressures that came within each of them, like of not being American enough in a way or Canadian enough or not being quote unquote stereotypical Asian by our own communities. I have these memories of as a young kid trying to piece together. It literally felt like a bit of a jigsaw sometimes. It's interesting because culture is such a strong part of the things that we internalized or reckoned with or explored as kids. And for me, when we talk about people who have been nurturing versus not nurturing, people who are hurting versus people who encouraged my mother and her creating this world for me was so beautiful because it let me revisit my culture from a very young age in a way that had freedom, that had imagination to Smitha's point, that mm-hmm. let us create and explore. This makes me realize that it's one thing to be seen and heard by your peers, mm-hmm. but it's almost has a different meaning, perhaps a greater meaning when you're a child to be seen and heard by an adult yeah. and respected mm-hmm. and listened yes. to. Yeah. Yes. And yeah. I think for me, that's just a huge confidence builder. As a young person, I would say around 12, 13, I was really interested in starting this nonprofit. There were so many people that did not take me seriously. And Mm. there were people that did. And those people have really been huge impacts on my life Mm. for my confidence, for my ability to say we can change the world, even as young people. And so anyway, I was just thinking there is a different level of meaning of being seen and heard by different people in your life and at different times in your life totally and then there's the question that comes out of that of like 
how important does that remain to this day for us as adults? And how do we carry that forward? One thing that I've sat with recently is how do these moments of being encouraged or discouraged as children remain with us and shape us in ways that are really interesting to revisit? And it's funny, I'd love to share this little doodle with you guys. And this is to your points about exploring imagination. With COVID, I I started drawing a bit more. I'd always done that as a kid. And I was talking to someone a while ago about our inner children. And I love how you guys touched on the encouraged versions, the the excited versions, and sometimes the little scared versions are the, hey, like, that's not me or what's going on here versions. And I, I don't know if you guys can see this, and I, I can share them in a more digestible way later. But there's just this question of who are the mini Rahas <laughs> that are still within me right now? And I absolutely love that you guys touched on all of these. We'll start with the mischievous Raha, because that's what Smitha's story in the church just makes me think about. But (laughs) you don't have to worry about the words, but you'll see that she's wearing very comfortable clothes. And there's a focus on her sneakers so that she can run really quickly. I was also a tomboy, so I resonate with that. (laughs) I can can see you guys tumbling around. (laughs) Yeah. I can see that. There's some interesting things that I just noted just thinking about myself, like this idea of feeling around and pushing boundaries to better understand truth. Like you're exploring, whether it's through reading or through whatever. And I remember, and I I note here that my inner light is on. I'm fueled by self-love and curiosity. So it's like that parent in us that's saying, yeah, like you can do it. Like, and that's okay. We're not going to tell you you shouldn't do this or you don't jump in the church window. Did you it's just say like... your parent in you? I've never heard that before. Oh, like that, that gets complicated, isn't it? Yeah, because I think our inner child is reacting to the parent in us or the parental voices. When I look at this young little girl, she is someone who these parent voices or voices of authority saying, keep going, keep doing it, you're loved. And then there's another one. So there's this little girl here, who's she's a little shy. I don't know if you can tell, but her head's like looking every single way. And she's (laughs) got these little pieces of armor that she's holding up and she's slowly trying to, you know, let go of them. But she's also pretty young, just like the other little mischievous Raha. And I called her structured or scared Raha there's something there is my existence conditional on this and this if I don't do this am I going to get hurt for me this little girl is it was one that prevents me from being vulnerable sometimes because I'm scared and I will say that as I've been confronting this more that scared Raha has slowly been learning to put down her armor for me the first major step when it comes to our inner child that can create these transformative moments for us is acknowledging that inner child this is the part of us that came alive this is the part of us that felt shut down and thinking about how we can through acknowledging them bring them into the present begin to reparent them mm-hmm. and it's, it's this idea of affirmations that I've been trying to actually do more often of like when you feel scared or where you feel hurt before you begin to cope how do we even treat the child in ourselves before putting up our armor, like I mentioned, you know, in, the, in those moments of extreme vulnerability. Oh, wow. You know? That's great. It's through this conversation, we've shared a couple tools or exercises that are helpful to get in touch with who your inner child was. And specifically, what sparked joy for you when you were a child and what filled you up? To use Raha's language, what made you come alive? And so the active reflection where you sit and you really think about some of these stories that have been 
just sometimes yeah. they're not even like huge stories. They're just tiny things like the makeup moment. I um, love it. Kajal on the lips. Kajal on the whole face and the mirror <laughs> and really the whole bathroom. So anyway, so that those types of kind of tiny stories. So I think part of it is like, what are those little anecdotes that maybe have stuck with you? But then even Raha, I think that it goes in different ways. For me, it was like reflection and journaling. For you, the way you did that was through yes. this exercise of comics and drawing yourself. Yes. So I think people you, have different languages there, but it is an yeah, exercise yeah. to put yourself back in that moment and think about what are the things that made you come alive back then at different points in your childhood. And then there's a whole separate exercise around, okay, now how do I continue the thread? How do I cultivate it? And maybe using your tool as an inner parent or inner mentor, whatever it is, maybe if it's not a parent, not all of us had parents that were particularly encouraging all the time, whatever that is, the validation that you need to keep that thread. So I I know, I think these are interesting exercises that one might might use. I really love the way you word that. Ra, I love your sketches and your colorful drawings. What a cool way to bring creativity and imagination and just a new way of self-reflection into the world. I think back on the moments of fear and negative novelty, meaning the first time you have an experience that is not one I want to repeat. And then... I am different than the person I was when I first experienced it. Yeah. Because since being a child, I have built so many tools up in my toolkit around how to communicate, how to stand up for myself, how to stand up for other people. And I think the parent in me is looking at back on those experiences. They were things that helped form me and they were things that helped me to prepare for should those instances come up again, whether for me or for someone I know. And that kind of shrinks the the trauma. Yeah. It shrinks the trauma. Mm. And that type of reflection and recognition of how things are different now versus then is very powerful for me. Yeah. That phrase, I've never heard it. You said negative novelty, was it, Ola? I love that. Another uh, word I've heard, and this is actually from HBS, the class I took, Authentic Leadership Development. Two professors created that class, and they talk about the word crucibles. But it is a very interesting session where we go through what are the crucibles in your life, often the, the big inflection points that have shaped who you are. So a lot of those, do stem from trauma or negative novelties. Yes. But that exercise of mapping your life journey, particularly the early days, helps mm, you know who crucibles. you are. Totally. Totally. I it's that's interesting. Crucible is the negative and the positive. It's very similar to what we're talking about. And the idea of negative novelties, it's a very interesting one. And I'm just hanging on to that <laughs> word because I'm like it sums it up. Maybe. But what's interesting about that for me is that First of all, the novelty aspect of that newness is always going to be part of our journey. If we're trying to grow, if we're trying to explore new things are going to be new. And if things are going to be new, there's a lot of discomfort that's going to arise. And there's something so beautiful about focusing on the novelty aspect of that. And then there's a second part of that that's implied, which is that if we approach new things, new feelings with 
this kind of growth mindset, which is what it sounds like, Willa, you know, how do I take this? How do I learn from it and internalize it and bring something different to the table while also being kind to myself and acknowledging this is new for me, then it doesn't have to be constantly new. And we can You're almost like working a muscle. Can... <laughs> yeah. yeah. With transition, which is a forever part of life, there's going to be discomfort. Yep. So if we acknowledge that and welcome it, then it's no longer a novelty when the discomfort comes. Yeah. And you're, yeah. it's almost developing the antibodies. You're like <laughs> yeah. ready. You and I are actively developing the antibodies <laughs> right now. <laughs> <laughs> More ways than one, baby. <laughs> There are so many examples of that where we have people who are hurting who hurt us and then there are ways to react to that. And to your point, there are ways to do it healthily in a way that isn't so reactive to what they're saying, purely reactive, but more, I acknowledge my light and what do I want to take out of this to grow while leaving behind the parts that are not relevant. And I think why I like the idea of inner child is because I wonder in those moments how much it can help to acknowledge our inner child the part that's being hurt but also maybe acknowledging the inner child in them and being like this person is coming from a place of hurt and so it's breaking you know, the, instead of maybe breaking re- the cycle breaking the cycle and instead of because it seems like it can be quite reactive to say you hurt me you're mean I want not you and instead I wonder if the power of being able to say you are speaking from a place of hurt and I am also hurting and what can I do about this This inner child is just radical empathy. Exactly. It's radical empathy. That is what it is. That is what it is. There have been books that have been written on this. And there's so much that I might not be able to speak to. But it can seem overwhelming because it's like, how much do we have to step into someone else's life to understand where they're coming from? And is that too much, especially if these are people who are hurting me? I think there's just something so beautiful about if we can acknowledge the hurt in others then it lets us say this is your problem and it's not my problem and I'm not going to take that on to me and how I react and I'm going to actively decide on what is the stuff that I want to work on and grow on instead of being reactive and it's also empathetic but in general we could go on for hours about this but I'm so excited about what we delved into I think honestly it's been so nourishing to hear these little excerpts about you guys and what you were as children the good and the not so great because it it helps me understand your lights so much better and helps me understand how you both are the the lovely people that you are so thanks so much for for going on that little trip with me today guys thank you so much for guiding this conversation Rahan for sharing your experience and your sketches Thank you to everyone who listened for also joining us on that little journey today. And one thing I'd love to leave y'all with as a closing prompt is what are moments that you as a child remember really feeling alive? What are certain things you did or memories you have that light you up inside when you think about them? And I'd encourage you to think about how to bring that into your daily explorations now as adults. So exciting. Thanks everyone for listening. I'm excited to see what we all come up with. Mm -hmm. I would love to hear from people. Please share if this has prompted you to think of something. Thank you all so much for listening and we'll talk to you again soon. Talk to you next time.